0: It's not pleasant to think about the wrath of God. The effects of God's wrath are terrifying, but it's a topic we must not avoid. The wrath of God is an inevitable reality for everyone who continues to reject the Lord. While God's wrath cannot be ignored, it can be avoided by the grace of God. Each person can either be the object of God's grace or the object of his wrath. Here's Stephen Davey to teach you more.
1: Shortly after the Apostle Paul's death, the volcano named Vesuvius exploded uh, like an atomic bomb, and it buried the Italian city of Pompeii. Uh, the entire population was killed by the poisonous gases and the ash and, and then preserved by uh, all that molten lava. Modern excavations of Pompeii have given us a, a, a rather perfectly preserved Roman city, just sort of frozen in time. One author wrote that Pompeii was caught in the act of being itself. Well, Pompeii was about 150 miles southeast of Rome, and I can't help but wonder if people there had, had read a copy of Paul's letter to the Romans before that volcano eruption. It, it's, a, it's a letter that declares the gospel, but it also warns of the coming judgment of God. And Now, there's no evidence that Pompeii was impacted at all by Paul's letter, but you have to wonder. Uh, more than 20,000 people lived in Pompeii, and they worshiped two gods— Venus, the goddess of love, and Mercury, the god of commerce. Well, to put it bluntly, they worshipped gods of sexual pleasure and money. In fact, when this city was excavated, advertisements for prostitutes, pornographic drawings littered the city walls. Statues were discovered that were so obscene that museums wouldn't even feature them for centuries. Well, someone had written on one of the walls there in Pompeii three words, Sodom and Gomorrah. And just like Sodom and Gomorrah, the city of Pompeii perished, buried under the lava of Mount Vesuvius. Now, we've already learned so far in our study of Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 that God is holding back the full eruption of his wrath, and in the meantime, His kindness is drawing people to safety, to repentance. Now, keep in mind that Paul was writing here in chapter 2 to moral, self-righteous people. Well, they don't think they they need to be saved. They're not that bad. They don't need to fear God's judgment. Paul tells them, however, the truth here in verse 5. Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Paul is revealing here the true condition of these self-righteous people. He describes them here as having a hard heart. The Greek word is sclerotes. That gives us our, our medical term today, sclerosis. You may have heard of arteriosclerosis, which is hardening of the arteries, and it happens to be life-threatening. Well, Paul says here that the moral person has a life-threatening spiritual condition or a condition of the heart. It's far worse It's the hardening of the heart. And unless it's cured by the divine physician, it's going to be fatal. Paul also writes here that the moral unbeliever has an impenitent heart. That is, he's unrepentant. He's not going to change his mind about God. He's not going to change his mind about his sin. There's no change of heart. There's no change of will. Simply put, there's no repentance. Now, on the outside, remember, the moral person looks looks good. He doesn't seem to be caught up in the sins of chapter 1. Well, he's going to be a member of the church. He's going to teach underprivileged children after school. He's going to serve meals to the homeless. See, on the outside, everything looks wonderful. But Paul shows him that under the x-ray of God's holiness, he has hardening of the heart. In fact, he needs a heart transplant, and only the divine physician can perform that kind of spiritual surgery. Now, for those who who won't admit their need of salvation, who won't admit they need heart surgery, well, Paul writes here in verse 5, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Storing up here is a word that refers to stockpiling little by little. So Paul is saying a Mr. or Mrs., Miss, uh, moral, respectable person, uh, you think you're getting away with looking good? You think you're storing up good deeds and one day they're going to they're gonna outweigh all your bad deeds? Well, what you're actually doing is storing up wrath. You're piling up higher and higher and higher the wrath of God, which one day will be unleashed upon you because of your unrepentant heart. And here's the warning in this verse. The more you continue in sin, the more skilled you get at defending your sin rather than repenting of it. In fact, the older you get, the more stubborn you become. Paul says here that there's coming uh, this eternal reckoning when he writes here in verse 6, he will render to each one according to his works. Now, we need to understand here that Paul is not defining the basis for salvation. He's defining the basis for judgment. The basis for salvation is faith in Christ alone, independent of any good works. The basis for judgment is sinful works. The believer is going to stand one day at the judgment seat of Christ where his works will be judged, not to see if he can get into heaven, but how he's going to be rewarded for how he lived on earth. That's Second Corinthians chapter 5. The unbeliever will be brought before a very different judgment, a different place. It's called the great white throne of God. The unbeliever is not brought to that final judgment to see if he's going to hell, but to understand why he is. Revelation 20 describes that event. Now, let me just pull over here and make a point. Faith alone in Christ brings salvation, yet at the same time, genuine faith reveals itself through good works. Paul wrote it this way in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, "...for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works." Which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. See, true faith will produce a desire to please your heavenly father, your child, and you want him to be proud of you. Let me tell you, if people claim to be Christians but have absolutely no desire to please their heavenly father, well they're fooling themselves. Well now here comes the outcome of God's judgment here in verse seven to those who by patience and well doing. Seek for glory and honor and immortality; he will give eternal life. Now, in contrast verse eight. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Let me tell you, for the unbeliever, this is a terrifying warning. It's as if to say, the is rumbling. Every day as an unbeliever you live, every hour you refuse to repent and follow Christ, that only makes the coming explosion of the, of the lava judgment, so to speak, all that more severe. It also makes us all the more grateful who've been rescued from the wrath of God by Jesus Christ. I read recently about an old man who lived in Florida who was known by everybody as Old Ed. Every Friday evening, as the sun began to set, old Ed would walk out on a pier carrying a bucket of shrimp. And soon the, the sky would become crowded with screeching, squawking seagulls. He'd, he'd throw that shrimp up into the air and the birds would dive for it. People nearby would notice that under his breath, it seemed that, that he was saying something to the birds. Well, his name was Eddie Rickenbacker, and he flew a B-17 in World War II. On one mission, he and his crew crashed into, into the uh, Pacific Ocean. Miraculously, they, they all made it out of the plane and into their life uh, raft. And aboard that raft for days on end, they, they would end up fighting the sun and the, and the sharks and their own thirst. Their rations finally ran out and, and things grew desperate. Well, one day, as the crew was nearing death from starvation, Ed was lying, semi-conscious, with his hat pulled down over uh, his eyes when something landed on his head. It was a seagull. (laughs) That seagull meant food if he could catch it. Well, he slowly reached up, and indeed, he caught it. Well, the men made a quick meal of that bird, but used some leftovers for fish bait, and they were able to catch fish and survive until they were rescued and Ed never forgot that seagull. So every Friday evening for years until he died, old Ed would go out to that pier with a bucket full of shrimp and throwing them up into the air for the seagulls, he would actually repeat over and over again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, let me tell you, if If you've been rescued by Jesus Christ, saved from that future eruption of holy, eternal, furious wrath, can we do anything less today than use our lives and our voices and our actions to to honor our Redeemer? And and in a way that, that says to him, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, until we set sail again on our wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
0: That was Stephen Davey, and he called today's lesson, The Volcano of God's Wrath. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. Wisdom International produces this daily program called the Wisdom Journey. Stephen is teaching through the entire Bible, all 66 books, with a new lesson each weekday. I hope you'll make listening to the Wisdom Journey a part of your daily routine. If you do, God will use it to help you walk wisely through life. We're convinced that your journey through life can be a journey of wisdom if you align your thoughts and actions with God's Word. That's why Stephen developed this program. Stephen has other resources to help you know and understand God better. You can learn more about those resources at wisdomonline.org. He has a collection of messages, sermons, books, articles, and more. All of it is designed to help you know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. Stephen's lessons are on that site, and you can access those anytime. They are free and on demand at wisdomonline.org. Please visit there today. Thanks again for joining us. I'm glad you were with us. And I hope you'll make plans to join us next time as we continue the wisdom journey through the Bible.